It's with joy that I get to continue our series, All Jesus Everything. You know, we just said Jesus is better. So what better series to have than All Jesus Everything? We're going to focus on the thing that's better, right? Makes sense. And, and, and so I get to continue. Uh, I, I, was, I missed out last week on the sermon because we were, uh, my family was in Louisville uh, going to Jen's uncle's birthday party where we surprised them, but I heard a lot of good things at Joy Communities, and uh, I was just encouraged just to hear everybody talking about the things that stood out to them. He went through the 10 glorious glimpses of God, and as he sent those to me, I was just amazed at how much God packed in to those verses to show us who Jesus is, who he is, right? And one thing that stood out to me that I saw, I was like, man, visuals are so important to us, right? I just, we need visuals. I don't know if you're like me, but if somebody's telling me something, I'm like, no, you need to like bring it to life. I want to be able to touch it. I got to be able to see it. I got to be able to know the details so that I can really understand. So I feel like God did that in those verses, which was amazing. He, He starts off with saying, Jesus is what? The image of the invisible God. That there, right, that should be enough. Now I just know where I need to go if I want to see God. I'm just going to look to Jesus. And just dropping that, that's such a powerful line that I was just amazed that it continued to go on and, and, and remind us that Jesus is the head of the, 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 the body. You know, he, he, he's the first and all of those things. It, it just gave us that visual. And so I get to continue on into Colossians. Hold on, let me adjust this real quick. See, I crumpled my paper. I need to upgrade. Um, so we're in Colossians 1, 21 through 23. So y'all can open up to that if you want, but I'll go ahead and read it. And it says, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So before I break that down, let me just pray for us real quick. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much, Lord. God, that you are the image of the invisible God. Thank you that you reveal yourself to us through your son. Thank you, God, that you reveal to us, God, that you are the one that has authority over all things, Lord. God, and you are, you are bringing all things together, Lord. And God, we thank you that we have the opportunity to hear from you this morning, Lord. I pray that you would move me out of the way, Lord, God, and that your word would speak. Lord, that you would talk to us, Lord, that you would give to us each person what you want them to get. So, Lord, we, 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 we appreciate your presence here, Lord. Without you, we're nothing. Without you here, what's going on here is nothing. So, God, we thank you that you are the living God and you, you stay and make a home with your people, Lord. So we love you and be with us during this time. It's in your name we pray. Good luck. Thank you. Y'all gonna have to excuse me. I've been a 
a little sick this week, but we're going to keep pressing through. And so this verse that Kempton uh, allowed me to preach through, I'm just looking at it and I'm amazed by it as I look at the first verse in verse 21. And it says, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. This is a snapshot of us before grace arrived. Before grace came into our lives and opened our eyes and helped us see what was really going on. This is what we were. And this is every single person on this earth without God saving grace coming in. And it says what? We are alienated. So that's separated, disconnected, hostile in mind. So hostility, you think about that. If you're in a relationship and there's some hostility between, there's some tension. Like things, about, things are brewing. Things are about to go down. And so with hostile to God, it's exactly what you think it is. You, there is tension. There is friction. The relationship is not good. And God is letting us know that it's because we've disobeyed him. We've chosen to go a different route. And here's the tricky thing, that a lot of people in this world, including myself, at one point did not know I was hostile to God. That's the scary part. You could be living your life, oh, I'm a Christian, oh, I love God. But your, your life, your actions at the core of who you are and the way that you're living your life will show that you, you're, not with, you're not with God. You, you, your, your actions are hostile towards God because you choose things that are completely opposed to him consistently with, with, without any care. And I think that could be, not to say that when we're Christians we're without sin, but it's just the sensitivity towards not wanting to do those things. So we're hostile in direct opposition to God. The next one is doing evil deeds. And that's pretty, that's pretty straightforward. What you're doing was evil. When we disobey God and we go our separate way, that's evil. And God is just making it clear. You know, we try to make it cute and sound good. Like, I'm not doing too bad. I'm, I'm, it's evil. Anything that is opposite of God, who is the one who created the world, and is the one that helps us utilize and best use the things that he's given us. He has a way of doing it. And when we say, no, I'm good on that. That's not just choosing to do another way. That's evil. And so the other thing about this is, for me, I know a lot of times as I would be maybe seen as a good person, I would unconsciously, as I was going against God's will for my life, I was doing evil deeds. That was not for God. That was for me. And so we see this snapshot of what we're like without Christ because we need to be reminded of where we come from, what we came from, the way that I used to live my life. I didn't, I didn't really care what the Bible said. I think for the first 22 years of my life, I didn't even really look at the Bible unless somebody forced me to. Unless somebody forced me to open the Bible, I was not going to look at it for guidance for life or, oh, let me see what God has to tell me. No. I really didn't think it had anything to do with me. And so 
I thought, you know, people who go to church are the ones that, that were good. And, and, and if I had a relationship with God, I'd be just doing the right things, going to church, praying, all those different things. But God is saying, no, without Jesus being the centerpiece of your life, you are alienated from me. You are hostile to me. And in my sight, you're doing evil deeds. And so that is enough to lay me on my face and say, God, man, I need you to show me what it means for me to not be that. Because that's scary. Because we know, you know, Romans, uh, Romans uh, 3.23 says we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then what does it say in Romans 6.23? For the wages of sin is death. So that's not good news. That's horrible news. What I'm telling you, those three things, alienated from God, hostile, doing evil deeds. How y'all feel about that? We can go home now? Y'all feel great? Y'all ready to start y'all, y'all day? That's not a good, that's not, there's something about that doesn't make you feel right. It doesn't sit well with you. And God is saying that's the situation that you're in when you're left to yourself. And that's scary. That ought to say I need something an alternative that I can look to. And praise God that he never leaves it at the bad news. He just wants us to sit in the bad news for a second. Because sometimes we're slow to understand. Can we say that? Say that to you. Sometimes I'm slow to understand. Slow to understand. I'm looking at myself. I just be like, okay, God, doing evil deeds. Okay, I'm hostile in mind. Okay. But it doesn't sound that bad. As soon as I get out of this, you know, let 15 minutes pass. No, think about it. We are hostile to the living God, doing evil deeds. I'm talking about the best person in the world, morally, evil deeds, apart from the saving grace of Jesus. Alienated from God. That's a scary thing. Alienated. We know what that word means? Separated. No longer disconnected, not in a relationship, cut off. That's bad news. But I love how God continues, and I'm going to call this my parachute verse. So you know what I'm saying? Like a plane is going down, and there's a parachute, and there's no other way for you to get off that plane and stay alive without that parachute. And this is my parachute verse, is that he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. Say now. Now, Now, that's right now. That's from here on out. This is something that you can go to as your parachute from the reality of you being hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. You can't help it. It's in your nature. That, That should be scary. You cannot help but do evil deeds apart from Christ. Even your best deeds are evil deeds before the Lord because you're not doing it for God. You disconnected from the person that empowers you to do any good. So it means nothing in the face of a perfect, holy God. So what you going to do? You going to grab that parachute? Or you just going to say, forget it all. And then just jump off and just do a swan dive and say, man, I'm going to enjoy the ride all the way down, 10,000 feet, however long. No, 
Wisdom would say, that parachute is going to save my life. And it's a blessing to have that parachute. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to do what? To present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Now, now just as, 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 as easy as it is to take what I said before lightly, right? Hostile in mind, evil deeds, you know, alienated from God. No, let it sink in. Let that, let that bad news sink in, but also, even more so, let the good news sink in. What does he say? In order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So he's saying now that Jesus has died on the cross in your place as an ultimate sacrifice. All those things, the hostile in mind, alienated from God, doing evil deeds. Now Jesus died on the cross so that you can be what before the Lord? Holy. What else? Blameless. Above reproach. That means there's no wrong in you. That's amazing. We should sit in that for a second and realize that that's completely washed clean. Y'all, that's amazing. I don't think we're taking that in right now. You who were once alienated from God have now been brought near to Jesus where you can see and experience God. And not only that, you who were once feeling shame and guilt and condemnation, which we all feel in this life, we all put it on ourselves and we might even feel it from other people. We don't even take into account before the Lord. So imagine how you feeling just by looking at other people and feeling inside yourself. Think about how the Lord feels. But check this out. He provided a solution. How much more should we appreciate the one who provided the solution for our problem? And he said, I want to present you. God said, I want to present you holy, blameless and above reproach. When you stand before my throne. So all of those things before us is taken, is wiped out. And so the thing that uh, stands out to me in this verse, and I want to get to it because I feel like it's just so powerful. Because, you know, the moment, like, let's say you want to believe in Jesus for that. You're here right now, and you want to believe in that. And say, I want Jesus to take my place on the cross so that, I'm no longer alienated, separated from God, hostile, just have this beef with God and doing evil deeds before him. I now want to be reconciled. God is saying that that's possible and you can receive that right now in this moment and that before the Lord, everything that you have done is washed away. And now when he looks at you, you're blameless. And so the next thing I want to get to is in verse 23, and it says, If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So the challenging thing about when you're a Christian is that there is a part of being a Christian where you feel like there might be some responsibility, right? Like, I got to change. Like the moment I trust in Christ, okay, what's next? How do I know I'm not going to go back to my old ways of doing the things that I used to do? And 
we, we heard in Colossians just what was coming into that church. There's a lot of what coming into the church, which Paul was addressing. False teaching. There's a lot of false teachers saying, hey, you need to add to the gospel. There's something else out there that you're missing out on. So we need to figure out what that is, and then we need to go after that too. And not only that, but I mean, they're around a real culture where it's just like there's other things, other sins and the allurements of sins that can make you want to go after those things. Oh, I need that. I need that too. And so Paul is saying, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. So what were they, what were they in it vulnerable to shifting towards? Shifting towards false teaching. Shifting towards sin that they see out in the community or wherever they're at. Out, just the world, the things that the world offers. There's, he's saying, if you indeed continue in the faith. So all those things that you just heard about what God does on the cross, holy, blameless, above reproach, those things are true of you if you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. So the question is, okay, if I continue, then that means all those things are true of me. If I don't continue, then that means what? That those things aren't true of me? That I was never a Christian? These are the questions that we have to ask ourselves because it almost seems like when you're reading that verse, that is Paul saying that you could lose your salvation? Hmm. Paul, what you, what you getting at here? Because I'm kind of curious. It, it made me think like, okay, I kind of feel the burden of, well, now I have to continue in my faith. Otherwise, that's not true. So now there's no peace. I'm not able to rest in the fact that I'm holy and blameless before God. I guess I just got to see to the end. No, that's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. Because let me ask this question. What is the hope of the gospel that he's talking about? What is that hope? What's the hope we have in the gospel? Who are we putting our faith in? It's in Jesus. So is that hope outside of ourselves? That hope outside of ourselves has nothing to do with you. It's all outside of you, and that is Jesus who came, and through his spirit, he unites ourselves to him. And so I'm, I'm trying, to make this, trying to make this simple, is that the hope being outside of ourselves, it has nothing to do with us and our ability to be able to keep ourselves in the faith. That's not what God's saying but here's what he is saying. He's saying that if you truly have trusted in that hope, you will not leave. You will continue in the faith. Because the hope that God's talking about here is the hope where God is saying in the gospel, I come to make a home inside of you. I came to unite myself to you. That means I'm coming into your life, Brad, and I am reconciling you to myself giving you an eternal relationship with me, that now there's a unity. What did Jesus say in the Gospels? He says, me and the Father are one. Now I come to make myself one with you. We're united. God is making a covenant, y'all, a covenant. That's an eternal, everlasting covenant. If you understand what that means, it's like a marriage. And God is saying, I do not separate 
from those who I make a covenant with. I'm with them to the very end. So you get what I'm getting at, right? He's saying if you continue in that hope, if, you, if indeed you continue in the faith, not shifting from the hope of the gospel which you heard. So you continue in the faith only because of the hope that you believed in. And I'll say this, the people that don't continue in the faith, what hope did they believe in? Couldn't have been that hope that comes to make a, a home with inside you. Not that hope. And if they did, it was on a mind level. It wasn't on a heart. Because here's the thing. Think about this. Once you're born again, you can't be unborn. You get what I'm saying? This is easy. This is logic. You can't be unborn. Kendra can't say, you know what, Dad, I'm not feeling this. I'm just going to go ahead, crawl back into mom's stomach, and go backwards. It's going to be nine, all the way until there's nothing left. No. That doesn't work. It doesn't work spiritually either. It does not. If you are born again of the Spirit and God makes his home inside you, you will continue in the faith. Because God's going to see to it that you do continue in the faith. Think about it like me. Me and Kendrick. Kendrick is my son, my firstborn son. I love him. I would do anything for him. I want the best life for him. I want him to grow up and be a man of God, someone that serves and loves and, and, and has a relationship with Jesus. And here the thing is, can I make him do that? I can't. I can guide him and love him and give him all the right tools and be there for him. And so the thing is, he has some responsibility to wanting to do those things. But at the end of the day, as the father, there's a big burden on me to help him, give him the resources. And think about it. Am I ever going to leave him when he fails me? That, no. That's an easy answer. Any parents in the room, when they, if, if, if they are your son or your daughter, I'm going to do anything to continue. There's, not, there's never a point where I'm just like, Kendrick, that's too much. You're choosing to go that way. So I'm done. You were never my son. Never. No, that wouldn't happen. No. But the thing is, the challenge with spiritual, you got to understand, was he ever your father? And here's the thing. I'm not even trying to put that as a, oh, shoot. Whoa. No, it's do you believe that in your heart? The hope of the gospel. God makes his home with inside you. He is now your father. He has reconciled you before Jesus. You've experienced the image of the invisible God. He's in your life. You know that. You know you've heard the father's voice. You've heard Jesus' voice. It's personal. That's the hope of the gospel. And I, and I hope that we hear what the Lord is saying in that. It's the hope that you're believing in. What is that hope? Are you looking to that hope to sustain you and keep you in the faith? In John 10, 28, for those who believe in this, in, in, in this faith, God is saying no one can snatch you out of my hand. Are you believing in that hope? Is that the hope that you're feeling right now, that you know, that you're telling yourself every day? 
Nobody can take me out of his hands. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Do you understand this hope? Because it's, it's, it's a foundation. You have to be rooted. Because what does it say in Scripture? Jesus is saying there's four different uh, uh, seeds that are sowed all around the earth. Some on rocky ground, some on uh, uh, the soil, some on thorns. And it's just like, which one are you? The one that's on the good soil is going to go deep. I, I want to know more of this hope. So I'm not moved to and fro when hard things come in this world. So why would somebody shift from the hope of the gospel? Anybody have any answers to that? Why would somebody shift from this hope? Why? This hope that brings eternal life, forgiveness of sins, holy and blameless and above reproach before the Lord. Who would shift from this? Well, I'll say this. Jesus gives a little insight to this. And Jesus, you know, after the crowd started leaving him, right, a bunch of fans of Jesus because he was doing great things. And they were just like, man, I'm on board with him. He is, he, he's going to be the one that leads us to something good. Once he started talking some things that were hard to hear, hey, man, you got to eat of my flesh. You, man, you got to drink my blood. Some people are like, hold on a second. I just wanted a loaf. And you talking about blood and because and, here's the thing, they weren't, they, they weren't there for the hard things. They weren't there for all the things that came with it. And so people started to leave one by one. They were counting the cost saying, yeah, I don't really want all of that. And so Jesus said this. So his, his disciples that had been walking with him like, so this is, this is the time. Y'all want to get up out of here? Y'all could go. Y'all could leave. I'm not keeping you here. So he said, you, you want to leave with them too? All you guys who have been following me? And what did they say? Jesus, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Why would I go anywhere else? Once I've just heard what you've said, and you know what they're showing in that? They are hearing the shepherd's voice. They are showing that they are uniting themselves with Jesus. So why would somebody shift from the hope of the gospel? They might be like the people that left Jesus right after the miracle. And they counted the cost. They said, "Uh, I'm not really feeling that. Comes a point where it's like, ah, that's a little too far for me, Jesus. I'm not really wanting to do all of that. My ear is shrinking. Um, And so... People go back to broken cisterns that hold no water. They go back to following the course of the world. They go back to doing the things that they did before. Almost like the Israelites when they went back, were trying to go back to Egypt. Man, we need to go back there. Like, it was, whoo. Like, we actually, at least we had, like, a consistent meal. You know, and we had, like, a curfew. Like, we had people, like, that were looking out for us. Like, the Egyptians were actually looking out for us. We need to go back. Like, that was, it, it, was, it was good back then. Like, now that we with God <clears throat> in the wilderness and he's giving us manna and, and we really don't know where we're going. They literally wanted to go back. And I think without God's saving grace, that's how a lot of us would be. 
Amen? We would be going right back, sliding in with whatever we used to be down with. But the thing is, is that God's saving grace as a father, he works with us. He, he disciplines us. You know what I'm saying? Like when Kendra gets off course, man, I'm going to discipline him in love. A father is not going to let his, his son just jump off the cliff. I'm going to do everything like he's mine. He belongs to me. And I think the way a believer is able to know that they belong to God is because they're rooted. Y'all, y'all say that with me. Say rooted. You're rooted. That means you have rooted yourself in the words of eternal life that comes from Jesus. You're not just going off of what somebody else said. You're not just going off of something you believed when you were 14. This is something that you have embraced and placed your whole life on. You are willing to abandon every other thing that has come in your life just so that you can know Jesus. That is it right there. Just so that you can know Jesus. So I would say this. If you know a little bit of Jesus... And, 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 and you're, you're still wondering, do I really know him? I would encourage you to say, sink deep into that hope. Make sure that you know that you have that hope, that it's inside of you, that you know he's your father. If you are a believer, there should be no question that God is your loving, eternal father and that Jesus walks with you every day. There should be no question at all, you should know that he's your father and that Jesus is your savior and he's your Lord and he wants to guide you through all of your life. So, something that I wanted to speak to that I think is just a reality that you can't get away from is there have been famous people. You guys might not know some of them, but there's some people who famously said, you know what, they've maybe been serving the church, they've been, you know, famous on TV, and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, I don't really, I don't believe in Jesus, I don't believe that he's real, so I never, it did, and so what do you do with that? People that recant the faith, and they say, yeah, that Christian stuff, now nah, I'm done with that. that. That's stuff you gotta wrestle with, but here's what I will say, I, I, don't, know the, I don't know them personally, I don't know what was in their heart. I'm not even going to speculate what was in their heart. And I'm not going to speculate to say they're never going to come back. You can't say that, right? You don't know. They might backslid in, in God their father might discipline them and bring them back. We don't know. Them people still alive. So they might, they might come back to their faith and come back to their right mind and say, I was tripping. I was really just living the way that I wanted to live. I was being selfish, and God has brought me back. He has showed me my sin. He has showed me that I need to repent of my foolishness. The other thing is that maybe God, maybe they are, they belong to God, and they'll come back eventually. Or the hard thing is they never were a Christian. Because the thing is, is that the hope that somebody believes in for salvation, that's a hope that cannot be lost. Think about it. It's against God. It, the burden is on God. How is God going to lie to himself? If he say, yeah, I'm going to keep you, and, and, and nobody can snatch you out of my hand, and then be like all of a sudden, yeah, they could lose their faith. 
that's making him look weak, right? That's making God look like he's not able to keep his children. And that's not the case. I want everybody to really look at that because I'm trying to speak to the power of God in our lives and in our um, faith. He is the one that keeps us. And so you can see in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. The love of what, what controls us? Love of Christ. That's a love that is worth letting control you. Because it's the right kind of love. Somebody that sacrificially lays down his life for me so that I could be forgiven for the Lord and, and he did nothing. He was innocent. He was blameless. He did everything right in this world. And then he died on the cross for all of my sins. Like that's a love that I want to control me. And it's a God that came down from heaven and now he's the invi- image of the invisible God and he's revealed himself to me. He's opened my eyes so that I can see what my purpose is, and he, he, I could see who he's made me to be, that I was made with greatness, that I was made to, to live for his glory, and that he wants me to live forever. I wouldn't want that love to control me. No, I think if you really see that love, it will naturally control you because there's no greater love than that. There's no greater love than somebody that would do all of that. So to walk away from that would it be I never really understood that love. I never really grasped the weight of that love and rooted myself in that love. Y'all see what I'm saying? So if you know that hope, make sure you are rooted in it and that you truly believe it in your heart. Because this world will try to tear you up and try to make you go different directions will show that that hope never took root in you. And so I think that's the thing that I would say. If the love of Christ controls you, that love can't do anything but control you because it's the greatest love that you could ever experience. So some of you might feel, you know, unsure. And I would love, you know, just if we could even dialogue over that, like, like we need to talk about that hope that you believed in because the reality is, is that, When you trust in that hope, you are saved by grace. Grace alone, it comes into your life. I'm talking about with power. You're able to know in the moment. When you receive Jesus, you know that your life is changing because it's no longer you that's changing it, but Jesus inside of you. Think about that verse that I shared earlier. He makes a home with inside you. Think about that. I want every person to think of that truth. He makes a home with inside you. My greatest challenge to everybody, I hope that before you leave today that you know that he has made a home inside of you. And if not, you need to pray that he does so that you know that Jesus has made this covenant with you. And it's free. You don't got to do nothing to get it. You just got to say, Jesus, give me that faith that hope that lives inside of me. Y'all understand what I'm saying? That faith, that hope that lives inside of you, that you could know by leaving today 
that Jesus, the King of kings, Lord of lords, the one who is the image of the invisible God is inside of me. And he is the one that's going to help me continue in my faith. The burden is on the cross to do what he said is able to do. And that's keep you. And that's change you in every single season of life. That even if you're at the lowest point of your life and maybe you're struggling in your walk, that you know that Jesus is inside of you. And that the power of the cross is what lifts you up and keeps you going. Just like how I would, any, my son or my daughter, I would make sure that they are going on the right direction. That even when they don't have the strength of themselves, I'm going to help them. That is my role as a father. I want to be there for them. I will never let them go as long as I'm on this earth. It is my I know, I know some, some parents in the room be like, hey, it's my burden. They're in my household. I'm committing myself to them. And so that's why it's important for you to know that if you have made that covenant with God, that I want you to be in my life and in my heart, that you know that and that you realize that you can draw from that resource, that you view God correctly, that he is your father, that he will never go away from you, that Jesus, he, he cares so much that he's not going to let you go overboard. He's going to discipline you. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wouldn't be loving if Kendrick's wilding out and I just did nothing. Yeah, go ahead, do that. You, you stay over there, and then when you get your mind together, then figure out if you want to be my son. No, I'm going after him. I'm trying to prevent any of those things that could be dangerous to him from happening. So I hope we see that he is the one that keeps us stable and steadfast. Even when your life is hectic and crazy as a believer and nothing's going right, you are stable and steadfast because Jesus is keeping you. He is able to keep you stable and steadfast through his faith, through the faith that he gives you, the power of the gospel, that you are never able to shift from that gospel that which you heard. I can't turn away and go to something else once I've experienced the greatest thing that anyone could ever experience, and that's forgiveness, and that's love from an eternal God. And so in closing, I just want to challenge everybody to ask themselves, if you've never trusted in Christ or you're unsure, pray to God and ask that this hope of the gospel would consume your life. That you would ask God to make a home with inside you. That his spirit would live inside of you, uniting yourself to God. And that covenant that he gives us, that was signed in, in, in Jesus' blood, is yours, free of charge. He's just saying you have to embrace it and grab hold of it and say, God, I want you in my life. I want you to be my father. And I know that I'm not going to be perfect in my pursuit of you, but I want you to take control of my life and to be the one that is my Lord because you're going to guide me. Because, like, as a son, I'm going to make mistakes, but ultimately I know it's you that I'm trying to pursue and that I want to honor. <clears throat> and if you are a Christian and you know that you have that hope, keep going deeper into that hope. Keep being anchored in that hope so you're not tossed to and fro. If you're tossed to and fro, even by what I'm saying, go deeper. Because if I'm in the crowd right now, I'm like this. 
Jesus inside of me. You, I can't undo that. I'm not perfect. I'm far from perfect. I still sin, but I'm saying, man, God is still, through his word, through Jesus, he, he's with me. He will never leave me. He's committed to me to the very end, just like he told his disciples. I'm with you to the very end. And so you should know. No one should be able to tell you that you are shifting from this hope if you really believe in this hope.